Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamek. Berto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show with us today. Well, we are six hours late. But like I told you in the upload video that we were still going to do this program because this was an important program, especially in these times, especially in the times where we have an existential threat to America. So I was not going to go a week day without a program so that we can all be informed. So welcome to Politics Done Right, six hours removed. But you know what? We have a great show for you. We have a lot of things. So what is it? What is the title of the show today? Let's go ahead and start talking about the title. Title of the show today is Trump Big Debate Loss, Debate Analysis, Republicans Fight About ACA, and more. Anyhow, the debate showed that even a calm Trump is mean evil, non-empathetic, and incompetent. Kristen Arnold, a rules analyst, explains the debate, and we go into a whole lot more. Anyhow, uh, the topics that we're going to be covering, we have quite a few videos to illustrate a lot of what we want to show. And starting with, we want to show two Republicans got at each other over, got, got, got at each other over Trump and GOP 10-year failure to develop a health care plan. That's a doozy you have got to see. President Trump, COVID-19 lie called out by reality. His uh, uh, continued line should be criminal as it kills. And Rachel Maddow skewers Trump as a super-spreading epidemiological menace. I have a problem with that word. Ah, you know what it means. Epidemiological menace. Steve Schmidt had a, a, a kid, so to say, after the debate, but his most present statement was this. This is all going down. The stench of defeat lingers all around this. Lastly, Christine Arnold, analysis or rather analyzes the second 20, uh, 2020 presidential debate between Biden and Trump. She believes it was much better moderated. She believes that cutting the microphone may have helped make it a more controlled debate. So we're going to close out with that. Anyhow, all together, folks, we have a, a pretty darn good show for you today. Please remember, the first thing that I ask all of you to do, uh, since I'm six hours removed, I know I, this is probably going to be a new audience as opposed to my 3 p.m. audience, but everybody gets a chance to see the podcast and all the other pieces. But if you're just joining us, I ask one big favor. Please, 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 please share our program. We cannot make it if you don't share the program. That is how we actually get things done. So please go ahead and share. So anyhow, let's go ahead and get started. Let's go ahead and get started. Let's go ahead and get started. The first thing is two Republicans. Check this out. You know Republicans are in trouble when two Republicans are on a panel fighting about health care and one of them actually comes to sort of a confession point and says, you know, given that you have nothing, people would take something over nothing, even socialized medicine, you know, as if socialized medicine is not what most of the rest of the world has and the people are healthier than America, right? But that is what she says. Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. I don't understand why you are repeating the lie 
Joe Biden's plan is not to eliminate private health insurance. As he said repeatedly, he wants to allow people to keep their private sector plans, but he also wants to be able to create an option. I don't understand why this continual emphasis on and doubling down on a lie. Joe Biden is saying his health care plan won't do that, and yet he is for improving Obamacare, which Nancy Pelosi said is basically a step to single payer. We all know, in fact, I'll make a bet with you, Governor. If Democrats win the presidency, the White House, excuse me, the Senate and the, and the House, that by the spring there will be a single-payer health care bill on the floor and the left wing of the party will demand that it becomes law and be put on Joe Biden's desk. Okay, now, don't, why would that middle? happen? Because Republicans haven't done anything since Obamacare was made into law in 2010. So congratulations, Republicans. You had 10 years. Go ahead. Keep going, Amanda. I actually don't disagree with you on that. <laughs> Amanda, you are right. on a roll. No, I, I was in the Senate. Right. I tried to repeal it and get a plan to replace it. I was part of that. How long do you expect people to wait? Because I am in the camp of someone on the private market that really wants a strong private health care market so I can get affordable health care. Where have the Republicans been? I have been waiting for that plan to show up. And I am fearful, too, Mike, well, of what, what may happen want. if the Democrats have a socialized health care system. But who can I turn to for help? It sure as heck has not been the Trump administration. What happened? She's right. It has been a decade and Republicans still have not come up with a plan. And this president honestly hasn't come up with a plan. I know you're criticizing Joe Biden for, you know, the president saying, okay, it's going to be two weeks, it's going to be whatever. And you're critic But Joe Biden, there is a, an actual plan there that people can read whether you agree with it or not. There, but there isn't one for this administration. There's not one. He can't say, you know what, we didn't get a replacement done. We just didn't get it done. And so now I'm left in saying we will uh, protect uh, pre-existing condition coverage, and we're going to administer Obamacare better. That's that's a part of what his message is, because, as Amanda said, Republicans dropped the ball. We didn't get a replacement bill done. And I think a better so message wants, for yeah. the president so, is to talk about what will happen, because to bring Amanda, to bring voters like Amanda back to the president, all they need to know is they're going to get socialized medicine when the left takes over, and that'll bring them back to the camp. That's what he should be saying in the debate. Yeah, good Jennifer. luck with hey, that. I can't leave my house or send my kids to school because of how he's handled the health care system. Jennifer, I, I people run, are so, so desperate for anything, oh, okay. they'll take a plan over no plan. Now, let, let, me, let me get one thing out of the way first, okay? It's not that the Republicans don't want to have a plan. I mean, that's not the problem at all. The problem, it is mathematically impossible for them to come out with a plan that is less expensive than Obamacare that covers what Obamacare covers. In other words, uh, they cannot effectively come out with a plan that really gives you health care, which means it prevents rescission, which means it prevents you from being thrown off the health care rolls, which means it gives you an affordable deductible, even though even Obamacare deductibles are getting ridiculous. It means it prevents them from, from denying you coverage because of a pre-existing condition. It means uh, having to have everybody into the system, which means either you have a, uh, a responsibility clause that says you have to have insurance or else you pay a penalty, right? And that penalty equal to what insurance would have been and you still get coverage. The problem is a math problem. The reason why Republicans have not come up with a solution, even though they were in control of the House and Senate many times during the Obama administration, a bill that likely Obama would have signed as an improvement to the Affordable Care Act if they came out with something sensible, is that it's mathematically impossible 
the, 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 the mathematically possible thing that still cost Americans more money was the Affordable Care Act with private insurance, which means you are giving away a lot of money to shareholders and duplicate, you know, duplicate advertising, fighting for customers, all the monies that if you had a single-payer system, all those expenses go away. They are trying to stuff a mathematically impossible thing down your throat because of an ideology, but it's not even because of an ideology. It's because it's a profitable way to take your money away. It's not even, you know, people say, oh, they're ideological. They want to leave things in the private sector. They only want to leave things in the private sector where they can rip you off. But, you know, and I don't have a problem with them having something in the private sector to rip you off if you have the choice of being ripped off. But when it comes to something like healthcare, if they're going to rip you off, you're going to have to allow them to rip you off if you want to stay alive, right? So let's get this straight. And I want all my brothers and sisters on the conservative side, on the side that believe they don't want a single-payer Medicare for all system. The reason the Republicans can't come up with anything, it's that, listen good, listen well, it is mathematically impossible. You can't say the following here. And the formula is actually very simple. Healthcare cost is equal to whatever the services cost. In other words, whatever it costs for your x-ray, your medicine, your surgery, plus how much does it cost to administer, meaning the secretaries and, the, and all the people to do the paperwork to keep the program running. But private healthcare means all of that, plus in addition to that, you have to add advertising costs, you have to add the cost of duplicate databases to keep people, you have to add the cost of the shareholders who invest in the insurance companies they want a profit to, you have to add the cost of overpaid executives. They are trying to ask you to, to believe a mathematical impossibility. You can't say that you have a limited amount of cost here and an extended amount of cost here, and somehow this is going to cost less than this. They're asking you to believe a fallacy, and too many of us are willing to do so. America, wake up. The reason all the other countries of success in the rest of the world, even countries that we call banana republics, have a single pair or some permutation thereof, is because you cannot have a for-profit system, a for-profit pay-in system. I'm not talking about buying equipment and all. I'm talking about a system that pays for the services where you have to pay shareholders and executives and bonuses and all of that. Let's give an example. Somebody goes and sells you a healthcare policy that costs $10,000 a year. The first year, that person may pocket $3,000 worth of profit. That's your money going directly into the pocket of the person who sold that insurance to you. They hope to make as you continue to pay that price every year. It's a racket. It's a racket. Insurance is a racket, but you don't have to have all insurance, but you do need to have health care. So people, don't fall. The reason the Republicans have not come up with an answer thus far is because anything other than single-payer a Medicare for all system, mathematically impossible to be more expensive than private healthcare. Private healthcare costs a whole lot more, or they must give you a whole lot less. That's the bottom line. 
Okay, folks, welcome, British MCP. Welcome aboard, Christina. How you doing, Christina Walsh? Welcome to Politics Done Right. And yes, uh, you know, after that power failure that we had for the 3 o'clock show, you know I had to do this. I got to get all the podcasts going or whatever. And I figured, you know, maybe if we come at, at 9 o'clock instead of 3 o'clock, we'll get a new audience as well. But anyhow, a new audience. This show is a show that comes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays, at 3 p.m., right where you are seeing it right now, whether YouTube, uh, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Twitch, or uh, Periscope. So please uh, share it, let other people know about it so that we can keep this stuff going. Anyhow, anyhow, uh, let's see, my Obamacare deductible, let's see, my Obamacare deductible uh, under Obamacare was $1,500, under Trump, $7,000. Change immediately. Same plan, higher premium too. Yeah, that is, that, is the, the, that is the method to the madness. The two things that they want to do is they want to go ahead and make sure that Obamacare looks like it's bad so they can say, we'll give you something else, and instead we start giving you this type of insurance that pays for nothing. You think you have insurance until you have to use it. Uh, let's see what else is here. Uh, by the way, we all know there is now a plan, just verbiage. When election is over November 10th, they will be in court to take it away. They are taking nothing away, Bridge. I want all my people that are listening, brothers and sisters, no election is going to be taken away from us. We will win this election by a landslide, period. Punto y final. We will win this election by a landslide, Joe Biden will walk into office and take this his rightfully earned position. The voters would have spoken. Punto y final. Don't even give those people the right or the, on the right the belief that somehow they are going to somehow be able to win in this election or somehow they are going to be able to do something even if the votes come out against them. No. No. We fight power with power. And what we have is a paper tiger against the real vote of the people. Don't forget it. I mean, one of the problems I have with Democrats too often is we kind of get, uh, we, we kind of give these, uh, those people with a big mouth, uh, a, a sort of a, a, a run at it. We allow them to believe they are more than they really are. We are going to win this election in a landslide. Everybody is going to vote. Don't sit down behind and be scared. Let me tell you, every time you have an ounce of fear, take up your phone and call somebody you think may not have voted yet. That's what you do. No fear. Zero. I'm going to tell you something, guys. Everybody calls me and, Egberto, are you worried about this election? Do you think they may steal it away? I'm saying, they can't steal it away. They can, they can try all the voter registration. What we have to do is follow the rules and go vote. If it takes us 11 hours in a line, make a telephone call and say, hey, this line here is 11 hours long. Bring a latrine and bring food. And all of us form a posse and do it. The Democratic Party in every county needs to be ready to cover for the people. We'll follow the law. We'll follow the law. If they want to, put all, they want to institute all these voter suppression techniques, as long as they've done it legally, let them try to make it however suppressed it is. And then we, we beat it by following the rules and getting in there. Now, here's the kicker. As soon as we get elected, because we will get elected, 
we make sure to change the laws to what a democracy really looks like. So the idea here is nobody gives up power easily. We always remember that. Those in power never give up power easily. You have got to take it from them. And in America, you take power with the vote. In America, you take power with the vote. And you make sure that whatever the vote said, that the power behind that vote is realized. Daniel Ledo says, private healthcare is morally superior, but Egberto has never been concerned with the morality of it. Uh, saying that private health care is morally superior is mentally deficient. And the reason that is, is if you cannot, expl- if you cannot understand that health care is simply paying a bill, nothing more. That is all health care uh, insurance is, paying a bill. You have been fooled into believing that medical health insurance is something else. Now, let me, let, let's go ahead and, and do something else here, okay? Because when I say, oh, medical insurance is paying a bill, people start to say, oh, no, medical insurance is more. They have to th- have things like uh, um, um, uh, manage risk. You only have to manage risk to pay a bill if you're trying to rip people off. Why do you manage risk? So you can exclude the people you would otherwise have to pay a bill for so that you can pocket the money that you would otherwise have to pay a bill. In a single-payer system, there's one risk pool, America. And therefore, the health of America determines what we pay in the insurance period. Well, it's actually the health of America plus what we as a country decide is going to be the basic medical services we want. Anytime you talk about private insurance, you're talking about thieves. Private health insurance, we're talking about thieves. Remember that. Nothing more, nothing less. We, 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 we actually put a, a facade on it to make it seem like it is something more than it really is. It is simply paying a bill. Thank you so kindly for that super chat, uh, Maria Telis. Muchas gracias por eso. Let me tell you something, guys. Uh, uh, Look, you have to remember that You are solely When you pay insurance You are paying extortion Because remember The only service they provide you Health insurance provides you one service You go to the doctor And they pay your bill If we have a single payer You go to a doctor And That single payer pays your bill And here's the other kicker they try to fool you about Oh, but we want you to have choice. That is like asking the slave, which master do you want? Do you want this master, that master, or that master? They're all going to whip the skin off of your back. But a single pair says, you really have choice. You decide what hospital you want to go to. You decide what doctor you want to go to. But when you have private insurance, they tell you, you can go to this set of doctors, or you can use this set of medicines, or you can use, which one, where, where is the freedom? This is a lie that they try to make you believe. And it's, imp- it's imperative that we start educating ourselves to understand the fraud that health insurance is, my brothers and sisters. We have to start understanding that it is a fraud. Now, Biden is not going to come out and say some of these things, right? Because, oh, it takes a lot of time to convince people of all these other things, right? 
it takes a lot of people. No, and here's the difference. Uh, Daniel Ledosa Egberto is talking about government-controlled healthcare. No, I'm talking about government-controlled health insurance, which means they pay the bill to the doctor, to the hospital, to the medicines you want. The private insurance does not give private insurance does not give you that option. Private insurance tells you what drugs you can take. Private insurance tells you what doctor you can see. Private insurance tells you what hospital you can go to. That is health slavery if you have we the people who simply says as a as a com, as a community we pay the bill of each individual healthcare because it's a right and you choose what doctors you want that is medicare for all but you see it's not sold that way so daniel ledo i will understand if you don't understand that in the beginning but now that you're informed if you still think otherwise may i suggest that you really prefer to be run by oligarchs. Okay, that was, I, I didn't intend this to be that much of a healthcare uh, position, but let's move on to the next subject. Because uh, Donald Trump right now is uh, lying his you-know-what-all, okay? And today he was called out on a show, so let's go ahead and play that, and then we'll take it on the other side. You know Republicans are in trouble when two Republicans Oops, wrong, are wrong on tape. a panel... And the president said about the pandemic, Dr. Patel, we are, again, he said this, that we are rounding the corner. It's going away. Well, let's listen to what else he had to say. There is a spike. There was a spike in Florida, and it's now gone. There was a very big spike in Texas. It's now gone. There was a very big spike in Arizona. It's now gone. And there are some spikes and surges in other places. They will soon be gone. But... Dr. Patel, he's saying this as we have 39 states with double-digit increases in COVID-19 cases. We had a record high number of daily new coronavirus cases just yesterday with more than 77,000. And the COVID tracking project did a snapshot of this third surge, indicating it's not that there will be an epicenter like in the first two surges, if you take a look at what they were just looked, but it's going to be everywhere. Yeah, that's correct. We can show the final map. Yeah, the, no, the, the map is really disheartening because we're now seeing 60 to 70,000 new cases a day, uh, approximating 1,000 deaths a day. We're going in the wrong direction. States like Texas, by the way, are reopening COVID units. So uh, any improvements that they had made recently are now being reversed in the majority of the country. In Utah, one of the largest hospital centers was closed to trauma because they were so full of COVID cases and other hospitalizations. So, Andrea, simple fact across the United States is it's quite the opposite. We're heading into a much more concerning not turning the corner or improving. We spend a lot of absolutely, absolutely so. It's not improving. So, uh, as you can see, you simply have a president who lies. A president who lies. He knows that the rates are going up in Texas. He knows that the rates are going up in Florida. He knows that the rates are going up in actually in all these darn red states. In his in his debate yesterday, he claimed it was blue state governors that was where where the problem was. Not true. Actually, the blue state governors have followed the science, and for most of them, the 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 rates are going down. Now the catastrophe the catastrophe is happening elsewhere, as you're going to see. Donald Trump is a super spreader. He Every county that he has a rally in, it increases the, it increases the spread of the virus. He's an assassin. 
The president is an assassin. Let's check out this on Rachel Maddow and you'll see what I'm talking about. I love that the president at the debate last night tried to spin the idea that COVID is basically only a blue state problem. The president in the last week has told us that COVID is caused by masks, and he tried to sell us last night that it's caused by blue state governors. Meanwhile, North Dakota has the worst COVID outbreak on Earth, and North Idaho has nowhere to put their patients anymore. But the president is cheering on the anti-mask folks there, and the local officials are listening. This was President Trump's visit today to the largest retirement village in America. It's a retirement village. So that means it's all older Americans in this crowd. Let the record show. Let history note that this is what the president of the United States did today. On the day the country had more new COVID than any other day thus far in the entire pandemic. That's how he gathered his fellow Americans together today. So close. Get closer. Get clo Anybody wearing a mask in that picture? See neck pace of rallies in battleground states during the final days of his re-election campaign, defying public health guidelines as a wave of new coronavirus cases smacks the United States. Trump will stage six rallies over the next three days in Florida, Ohio, Wisconsin, North Carolina, and New Hampshire as he rushes to make up ground on Democratic nominee Joe Biden. The president is expected to draw thousands of unmasked supporters to each of these rallies, running the risk of seeding new outbreaks as virus cases hit levels unseen since the summer. And now we know surpassing even the worst of the summer. USA Today tonight. Quote, as President Donald Trump jetted across the country holding campaign rallies during the past two months, he didn't just defy state orders and federal health guidelines. He left a trail of coronavirus outbreaks in his wake. When U.S. cases started climbing in mid-September, Trump did not alter his campaign schedule, but continued holding an average of four rallies a week. He stopped first in Minnesota, where Blue Earth County's coronavirus growth rate was 15% before Trump's rally. It grew to 25% afterwards. Three days later, the president was in Lackawanna County, Pennsylvania, where the coronavirus growth rate jumped from less than 3% before his visit to more than 7% after his visit. Even in states where cases were already rising, the spikes in at least four counties that hosted Trump rallies far surpassed their state's overall growth rates. In two of those counties, the growth rate was more than double after the president's visit. In Beltrami County, Minnesota, where the president held his rally in Bemidji, the case count there swelled by 35% compared to the state's 14%. In Marathon County, Wisconsin, the case count surged by 67% after the president's visit, even though the overall growth rate in the state was less than 30% at the time. You know, it is one thing to be mad at this president for presiding over the worst botched COVID response of any nation on earth and 220,000 of our fellow Americans paying with their lives because of it, right? It's one thing to be mad about him botching the response in terms of governance, including the news just tonight, that it turns out he disbanded the Federal Vaccine Safety Office last year. You'll recall he also disbanded the Global Health Security Office at the White House in 2018 because that's something Obama made, so it must be terrible. So he got rid of it, and then we got the coronavirus, and then we got it worse than anywhere else on Earth. But it is another thing to come to the realization that he really is Johnny Appleseeding this thing all over the country. I mean, he's like a universal donor for this thing. His actual campaign, his personal ego-feeding desire to do large, in-person, unmasked events, even speaking
specifically at events reserved just for old people, even in places where the virus is running rampant and the hospitals are full to bursting. That isn't just, you know, callous or tone deaf. That is one of the things that is driving this epidemic into the stratosphere right now, right as we head into the election. He's an epidemiological menace. I mean, in office, sure, but actually in person is what I mean. He is an epidemiological menace. I call him an assassin. And Don, uh, then Daniel Ledo takes, uh, uh, takes offense to that. No, sir. An assassin is somebody who goes out and targets people. He is targeting his own people to fill them up with the coronavirus, killing much of them as he tries to attain herd immunity on their backs. That is a perfect definition of an assassin. And Daniel Ledo also said, and the reason I, 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 talk, I, I speak to what Daniel Ledo says is because the fallacies that he puts out is what a lot of the right wing put out to try to gain people with a false ideology. He says the following, by the way, if the government pays 90% of your income, they own you, i.e. government health care. Egberto wants to play rhetorical tricks to deceive you. Not at all. You know, one of the things I learned, I'm a naturalized American citizen, and what I love about America is that it has a constant, an elastic constitution that has grown, has matured, has liberalized, has become progressive, and not only that, its original intent in words it meant something, right? Even though it couldn't have lived up to it because of all the technicalities and some aberrations within it. The, the basic premise, we the people of the United States in order to form more union. Here's the deal. The, the government is we the people. The government is we the people. So here is the deal. This uh, Daniel Ledo says, by the way, if government pays 90% of your income, then they own you. No, if we the people pays 90% of your income, then I have an allegiance to those people who I work for as a person who is within this society. I am happy to work for my people, the people of my country, the people of society. We, the people. You see, the selfishness within the evangelical movement, the selfishness within the ideological right. Me, me, me. They own you. No, I serve them. I serve you. We, the people of the United States, if they are the ones that are making things possible for us all, then we, us all, sir, what did, did, did Kennedy say? Don't ask what uh, the country can do for you. Ask what you can do. That, those are our values. This individualistic menace isn't. So Daniel Ledo once again proves how wrong he is and how un-American his true beliefs are. That is a statement of fact. That is a statement of fact. I'm so sorry to hear what the, the duck that quacks that you had to go ahead and do that for assistance, brother. That is what we're talking about. We have to make every, one of the reasons I ask people to come on to my program and tell their stories, right? Is because um, Americans know how to suffer a lot in silence. Americans suffer a lot in silence. And in suffering in silence, a lot of people don't know that a lot of others are going through the things that I am going through too, that you are going through too, that many of us are going through as well. And by not knowing that, we just sit back. 
and do nothing. But if we all knew that most of us had the same issues, the same problems, and all these things around us, we would start demanding out of those we vote. We would not fall for what the plutocracy has taught us, like what the plutocracy has indoctrinated people of the ilk of Daniel Ledo and others on the right. We would actually find some way to get things done. Anyway, folks, this is a little bit past the halfway point of the program where I start asking people to support our program. First of all, uh, if you, you, you all know that that book that you see on the screen there is the new book that I just wrote. It's called uh, It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing, uh, Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. I ask you so kindly to consider uh, getting that book. I'm putting the link to the book in the feed right now. The link to the book is in the feed right now at Amazon. But if you'd like to get it at our store, if you get it at our store, I'll actually send you an autographed copy. Uh, so here is that link, politicsdoneright.com slash store. Again, that is politicsdoneright.com slash store, where you can get not only our books and our teacups and our T-shirts and things like our, you know, all, all, all the things that we have, please consider going to our store as well. We have a whole lot of little things to help support Help us support the show. Uh, you can also join our Patreon, which is at politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon. I have a lot more videos to show you, but let me go ahead and get, get this out of the way, and then I'll, I'll be right back there. Uh, politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon is where you can support us on Patreon. Or, of course, you know, we always uh, like PayPal's. For those of you who are not on YouTube, first of all, if you're on YouTube, I ask you so kindly to click that Join button. Become a member of our Politics Done Right posse. It is very inexpensive. Make a whole lot. Make uh, Again, you really help us promote the positive message that we really need to get out there because a lot of people, like I say, suffer in silence because they just don't know. They're indoctrinated by the Fox News of the world. They're even indoctrinated by certain parts of the, 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 the media that, that, that inculcates itself as progressive but really isn't. Uh, those of you that are not on YouTube but would like to become a part of our YouTube posse, please go ahead and go to politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Again, that is politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Okay, let's go ahead and continue with the program. I ask you again, go get the book, go uh, join up, click that join button on, fa on YouTube, become a member. We really need all the support that we can get. Okay, by the way, uh, let's go ahead now and talk about the debate. Who won the debate? You know, a lot of people, they, you know, Donald Trump had his people putting out false debate notices. Oh, he won the debate. The scientific debate shows who won. And the scientific debate was clear. Uh, it was Biden, 53, Donald Trump, 39. Uh, the makeup of the thing was 31% uh, Democrats, 30% Republicans, and the rest were independents. So it, it showed a very good balance that looked like the country as far as who won the debate. And that is it on the screen right now. Joe Biden won the debate, and it wasn't even close. And if you take a look at the technicalities within the debate, it was quite obvious that, that Joe Biden was the winner of the debate. Now, for all those that are scared that somehow, you know, as, as opposed to, let's say, with Hillary Clinton, uh, where the polls are going. The polls that are coming out continue to be good. They continue to be good. Uh, the last Quinnipiac poll, which came out yesterday, showed the race at 51-41. 
Do I think it's 5141? I actually think it's better than 5141. I think that people are so darn scared for how terrible this guy is in handling this epidemic. He's getting a lot of people killed by lying to them, by spreading the disease in every single one of his big rallies that he's having. He's killing people as he goes by. I think it is so, 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 I mean, it's so self-centeredly evil. To be going out there. And you know what hurt me the most of all those pictures that Rachel Maddow's show? Was to see all those older folks sitting down right next to each other. All of them in order to serve their master, Master Trump. We are going to serve Master Trump. So in order to honor Master Trump, we won't wear masks. And in not wearing masks, we are all, or many of us, probably 4% of us, will be committing suicide okay will be committing suicide so Daniel Ledo says so now Egberto is the arbiter of what is and is not an American actually given that given that uh, my dear friend my dear right wing friend given that you sure have forgotten what it is what America really means just maybe I'm not an arbiter of what is American but maybe I use all my friends that are here with us to help promote what America really is. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take that on. And Daniel Ledo again says, since Egberto is relatively new to our country, and I'm not relatively new, I've been here since 1979, let me inform him that his little revolution he is part of is an American just saying, oh, wow, oh my God, we forgot how the America got started with, the, with, with uh, the, the, the guys who decided, you know what, we don't want to pay taxes to England, so we are just going to take this land. By the way, we didn't, it, we, it wasn't our land in the first place. So after we stole the land, we go ahead and we say we're going to take it from England. We'll take the land that England stole and just start building a new country on it. Come on, you are not in the, morally, you're not in the moral position for your statements at all, sir. All right. At this time also, and Daniel, I came here. <laughs> Thank you, Breach. Let me go ahead and, and, and reward all, not call out all my great people that are here. Bridge MCP, welcome aboard. Nanette Bird-Smith, welcome aboard. Mary Tellis, uh, Marie Tellis, welcome aboard. The Duck That Quacks, welcome aboard. Marianne Brooks, welcome aboard. Daniel Ledo, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see who else I've, I've got here. I like to call everybody. Uh, Linda E, welcome aboard. Paul Mack, welcome aboard. Nanette Bird-Smith, welcome aboard. Okay, continuing all the way up our screen here. Bear with. If I miss you, just drop me another line. Uh, v V Celeb forty five Dennis forty one. Welcome aboard. Uh, okay, I'm still going up. Tim White's welcome aboard. Uh, thank you very much, Maria Telis, for the, the for the, the the super chat. Love you, folks. Follow her lead. Hit that dollar sign and provide us with a super chat. Keep us going. Uh, Christina Rowan Walsh, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see. LJ, welcome aboard. Man, I have everybody. I have Twitch. I've got Periscope. I've got uh, YouTube and Facebook all here at once. Paulette Stanzel, welcome aboard. Uh, okay. And Chris, great. Let me go down to the bottom now. Good. Hey, guys. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, by the way, remember this is your show. This is y'all's show. So if you want me to say talk about something else or whatever, just say it. Right now, I have uh, I, I need to bring on Steve Schmidt. I love Steve Schmidt. Listen to what he had to say about the debate, and then we'll take it on the other side. Steve Schmidt knocked this one out of the park when it comes to both Biden's family and about Donald Trump. 
going down. Check this out. Let's take it on the other side. What do you say to Trump critics who look at this and think, how was time even spent litigating someone else's family when you look at the hornet's nest of corruption and pay to play an indicted uh, campaign chair and Steve Bannon, uh, record-breaking first-term indictments criminally of any president in either party in history, uh, and you're discussing uh, Joe Biden's family. Well, great question. Um, I think the majority of the country thinks it's ludicrous. This is the most corrupt president in the history of the country, bar none, with the most corrupt family in the history of the presidency. One can look at the awarding of the trademarks by the Chinese government to Ivanka Trump, or we could look about the disclosure of the Chinese bank accounts that Donald Trump has, the fact that he pays more in taxes to the Chinese. But the, but the larger point is when you, when you marvel at the corruptness of the, of the Trump family, Joe Biden has been clean. No one's ever made ethics allegations against Joe Biden. I helped run a campaign against Barack Obama and Joe Biden. There's nothing there, clean as a whistle. You know, Joe Biden was someone who lived a very middle-class life, never made more than $167,000 a year in all of his government service, and he was uh, annually ranked as the least wealthy United States senator. It's all complete and total BS. And you know, I have a bridge to sell you if anybody buys you know, the idea that Donald Trump is concerned about corruption there. It's just, it, it's absurd. But... You know, it, it is an alternate reality that comes out of Fox News. You know, between the end of the debate um, and, and coming on with you, I have had a chance to watch the Borat movie. And I will tell you this, um, Rudolph Giuliani's career in American life has come to its end. Um, he is disgraced and he is the architect of the smears against Hunter Biden, as we all know. And the idea that Rudy Giuliani and everybody will understand what I'm talking about before very long, um, is to be taken seriously or credibly, and he shouldn't have been at all for a long time before this moment, but he certainly won't be in the last week of the campaign, which of course will begin with Donald Trump storming out of the 60 Minutes interview. Ari, this is all going down. The poll numbers are collapsing. The stench of defeat lingers all around this. You can look at the sniping, the panic inside Republican Washington as they're on the precipice of losing the Senate majority and the White House because the bill for Trumpism is coming due. And throughout that debate hmm. tonight, Joe Biden drew blood and held Donald Trump accountable for his profound incompetency in the discharging of his duties as president of the United States. You can't argue with that. You can't argue with that. The stench of defeat is about to come. But again, as I tell everybody who's listening to this, the stench of defeat can only come if you not take anything for granted. You have to go out there and vote. As you can see from the debate uh, that occurred today, uh, we cannot survive in as the America we know America to be with a, an incompetent president, an evil president like we have today. So the only way that's going to change is for all of you to go out in droves, in droves, and vote to save the country. Steve Smith, a Republican, has got it right. 
And when I say you got to go out and vote to save the country, that's what I mean. You got to go out and vote. And every time you have a fear, because those right-wingers have a tendency to be bold, we are going to win and it's going to be a landslide. Remember the last time. The last time was not a, the last time was not nothing special. The last time was all within the margin of errors. We just had the wrong candidate. Here we have a better candidate plus a pandemic landslide. So anyhow, but you have to go out there and vote. You have to go. And anytime you feel a little bit of fear, every time you feel a little bit of concern, take up your telephone and make a call to somebody you think may not have yet voted and tell them, please go vote. If they say, no, I'm not going to vote, tell them, please, for me, for my health care, to help me, to help people you love, please go out and vote and vote your interests. Vote the way you must. Vote the way you should. And like Marie Talese just says as well, vote at the state level, vote at the national level, and vote at the local level. In other words, it's not just about president. It's also about all the people underneath. All the people underneath. You have to fill out that entire ballot. And I am going to be partisan here because in it is existential at this point in our history. You must go down that ballot, folks, and vote Democratic down the ballot to save the country. Okay? To save the country. To save the country. So if you feel fair at any time, you make sure and call 10 people. Have you voted yes yet? Go vote. Let's, let's go ahead and talk to Christine Arnold, who I called up at midnight yesterday, who uh, helped us kind of understand the debate. Not from the technical point, but I mean from the technical part of it. Welcome to another edition of Politics Then Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. I'm here once again, like we promised, with no other than Christine Arnold. Christine, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Egberto? I am doing great. You know, I told you after that next debate that we would be talking again to see if there was any improvement. I read your report and I sat down and I said, hmm, you actually seem a tad bit more positive. Well, it's a stark contrast um, than what we saw a couple of weeks ago. Thank goodness. Um, but I think I think the moderator had a couple of points going in her favor. So you know the the whole notion about the microphones being cut off for the first two minutes of each presentation. So if you think about it, that's four times six segments. That's twenty four minutes of a ninety minute, which actually this went ninety six minutes debate. Okay, so that went in her favor. Um, I think she also started with a plea to both candidates saying, please, please, she didn't say it twice. She just said, please, um, let's uh, one person talk at a time. Um, so there is that. Uh, there's the fact that both of them were absolutely skewered a couple of weeks ago in the press. So, you know, they needed to play nice. And uh, lastly, you know, there's only 12 now, it's uh, 11. 11 days till the election. And how many people have already voted? 48 million. 48 million. Yeah. I've already voted, by the way. I've been doing it since I was 17 and I was in the Coast Guard. So I'm completely familiar with that process. Well, as a rules analyst, as an expert in interpreting these debates, what grade would you give it? 
So I think she did a B, a nice wow. B. Um, there's a couple of things that I do have as an issue. Um, you know, the format as prescribed by the commission is uh, six segments. Each segment is 15 minutes long. And she, it was not. Like the first segment was 25 minutes and then the next segment was like 19 minutes and then the next segment was 17 minutes. She threw in immigration in there, which might have something to do with American families. But if that's the case, then American families was like 22 minutes. So it really wasn't balanced. So by the time she got to leadership, which was supposed to be a 15 minute segment, um, it was three. Yay! So went six minutes over time. So her um, timing, probably not the greatest, but I think she was good in that she pointed out new information. She tried to keep people focused when people would go off on taxes or corruption or whatever. She's like, here's the topic. Or she would put people on time limits. Like you have 30 more seconds. Not that people really paid attention to it, but you have 10 more seconds. You have, so I think she tried as best as, um, you know, you're talking to a president and a former you know, vice president. Vice president. I mean, you can't be too much of a, a horrible person. So I thought she did a pretty solid job. Now, the last time uh, when I started, I said, um, how do you like the debate? Your answer was, what debate? So my, I come back to the same question. How do you like the debate? So I think that this was a more um, illuminating. I think it was more substantive. I think it was more respectful. Um, I think there was more, she did um, try to get people to answer questions. She didn't let people off the hook as much um, because there wasn't the room to, to obfuscate. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I thought she did a pretty good job. Now, what about uh, as far as timing is concerned, did they get equal time or was, how was the no. distribution of time? No, no. Trump got like four more minutes. So what she was doing is she was trying to give Biden more time. Uh, so she would cut Trump a little bit, but Trump would then interrupt over her to get the last word. So, you know, there was, there was a little bit of back and forth between the two of them. Um, so some people might think that she was deferential to Biden. I, I don't, I, I don't know if that actually is the case. I'd have to, I'd have to go back and look at, at the, the nuances, but I don't think she was. Now, when it comes to uh, topic selection, uh, was it a, was the topics wide enough uh, as far as you're concerned? Um, uh, you know, I, I can't really comment on the content. What I, I know, but the topic uh, themselves. What, I, what yeah. I can comment on is I think that her topics were much less um, inferential. So let me give you an example. Um, she talked about race in America versus Chris Wallace said uh, race and violence in our cities, which means race and violence go hand in hand in our cities. So there's a, an implication in there that's less um, straightforward. So I think she was just saying like, here's a topic, 
fighting COVID. We're fighting COVID versus just the virus. Um, American families, well, families are come in all different shapes and sizes, which is why maybe I think maybe immigration was part of her American families. Um, you know, climate change. So none of them had implications for right or wrong. Um, so I like that. Um, uh, you, leadership could have been construed any way that you wanted to. Um, so that was probably the murkiest one. Well, I like that you noticed that, you know, the difference between Wallace and how she handled it, because, you know, I thought the way Wallace handled it was in, in my, in my language would be pessimo, horrendous, you know, it was, it was terrible, but who knows? Anyhow. So as uh, the outcome of the debate, um, there was a winner, there was a loser, uh, uh, Biden turns out to have gotten a, a large, not, on, not only a plurality, but a majority of the votes. Uh, based on what you saw, I know you don't cover content. Do you think that the distinction was good enough to actually declare somebody a winner? I think the moderator was the winner, Egberto. The oh. moderator came out looking pretty good. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I think I'm going to have to ask you to expand on that. No, I, th I think she did a very credible job. I mean, here's a woman who most people are not familiar with terribly. She's never done a, a presidential debate. She's, uh, she's been a sidekick, quite frankly, to Rachel Maddow in mm -hmm. a Democratic debate. Um, I think she held her own. I think she was a woman of substance. I think she knew her stuff. She was... Um, uh, you know, she did a very credible job. Uh, so I, I would say, you know, we, we all walked into this debate going, I really hope this is not a reprise. I, I, I just was like, oh, I, uh, yeah. You know, who, who really wanted to see that crap that we saw a couple Last, of weeks yeah. ago, right? Nobody wanted to see that. So I think a lot of us were just. I'll, I'll speak for myself. I can't speak for anyone else. I was pleasantly surprised at the demeanor of both the candidates. I was pleasantly surprised at the moderation. The skill level was, you know, there were a couple of nuances. And, and frankly, I'm, I'm not exactly sure about the evenness of the questions for the candidate. Those, those are kind of things that I have to look post-debate because they're subjective. It's going so fast and and I do think that there's, um, no matter how perfect you are as a moderator, there is some um, unconscious biases that creep into questions. So I'd probably want to look at that. But You brought up, that's an interesting subject, and I only have about three minutes. So, so uh, you just brought up unconscious bias. What unconscious bias did you see, did you, off the top of your head, did you see? Um. It, 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 you know, I, I didn't really see anything um, quite obvious. I think she was trying to be parallel in the way that she would ask questions. So I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to ask you a variant of the question, but it's really the same question. Um, but what she, I mean, the challenge for any of these debates is um, if I ask you a direct question, Egberto, if you don't have the background as a citizen listening in, then I'm not going to understand the context right. of the answer to that question. So I have to give the audience enough substance 
in which to ask the question. And therein lies the um, uh, the yeah, since the bias, yeah, of it. And and when I'm listening, I mean, I'm paying attention to so many other things. It's like I look at the the formatting of the questions later to see how evenly um, uh, uh, matched they are. Well, uh, as usual, uh, I, I like the, the perspective that you give us as far as the structure of the debates. Uh, Kristen Arnold uh, rules, how do, how do you actually say that? A rules analyst, but I think you, give, you have another name for that as well. Rules analyst and what else? Well, I'm a panel moderator, but you know, in football, you have a rules analyst. Right. There are the people who come on after the official has made the call. And they're like going, did they do a, a good job making the call or were they? So that's well, how I came up with rules analysts. So Kristen Arnold, rules analyst. And the reason I always want to have a rules analyst is because I am a biased watcher of the debates. And I want somebody to tell me uh, if my biases are based on uh, the structure of the debate. And that's why every debate, I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, well, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so kindly, Christine. You have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Okay, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. We are near the end of the program. I just want to call out some new people that came in. I think I saw, uh, let me, I thought I saw, oh, Memo, Memo Ray, welcome aboard. Lola J, welcome aboard. And uh, let's see if I see anybody else. If I missed you, just drop me a line again and I'll call you out because there are a whole ton of messages to go through. Let me see if there's a quick one that I need to go through real quick. Because I, you know, just see. If, uh, and now Trump have a, yeah, Trump has a Chinese checking account. Daniel Ledo, yeah, not hard. Give the questions to my students and no one pass except the foreign students. Weird, eh? Actually, it's not weird. I talk about that a whole lot, right? You, you know, I mean, anybody who is over here knows that um, what happens a lot of times is that whereas in Panama, we had to learn the capitals of every country in the world. We had to know where every country in the world was located. And given that the world is an American-centric world, we had to know every state in the United States, every capital of every state in the United States. So by the time we got here and had to take a, 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 um, a test, a naturalization test, we knew all the material. It was like, okay, give us the test. Many Americans don't even get that in school. They don't even teach civics anymore. That is what they, Americans, many, many of the educational system uh, really dictated by the right wing has caused the destruction of the American educational system on the civic level. They don't teach civic, civics anymore. That's why somebody like Daniel Ledo can say, uh, you're working for the government. Or the government is going to own you. When he says things like that, it shows a, a complete misunderstanding of what government is. Government is we the people. We the people. And when you get that government is we the people, you work. You work towards making sure government is good. And government does what's necessary to give uh, we, the people of the United States, to, we, to, to treat the welfare of the people. And that is, so, that is what's so anathema to the right. 
Anyway, folks, uh, let's see. I'm concerned about the Lord deportation numbers under Trump and what you think about that. That's a that's a red herring, and we'll take that at another at another one. That's a red herring. I mean, I, I hear that a lot. Uh, Kyle D. Younger, welcome aboard. Uh, anyhow, folks, please go ahead and get my book, I Ask You So Kindly. That is how you help support our program. Likewise, if you are on YouTube, please click that join button, become a supporter, become a member. That is how we can grow our network, make sure that it's more. By the way, this program is, uh, we are airing this program six hours late. It is normally 3 p.m. Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, five days a week, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. every day. And on Tuesdays, it plays all as well concurrently on KPFT 90.1 FM Houston, a Pacifica network station on air. So it's on 90.1 FM Houston, Texas on uh, on Tuesdays. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it is on here on YouTube Live, Periscope Live, Twitch Live, and something else live. Uh, 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 what am I missing? Periscope Live, Twitch, and Facebook Live, of course. Please consider, if you're not on YouTube right now, here's a link to go ahead and join our posse on YouTube. I'm going to also give you the link to join us on Patreon. This is a Patreon link here. If you want to become a member on Patreon, that is it right there on Patreon. And you can also uh, visit us, via, or rather, support us via PayPal. And that is it right there via PayPal. Egberto, memory. Egberto, thank you. By red hearing, you mean hard truth but worth discussing. Uh, it is the truth with context. So, yes, sir, I, it is always worth discussing because if there's any kind of misunderstanding, we want to discuss why things happen. Uh, so we'll do that at some other time. Like I said, this program is normally on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on uh, on <laughs> at 3 p.m. Uh, Maria Tele says, and democracy refers to the people. Republica is for the right and rich and racist. <laughs> That's a good one. Anyway, my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.